Welcome back to the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message, Friends in Need Need Friends Indeed, from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. In the movie Tombstone, Doc Holliday shows up beside the Earp brothers at a gunfight, despite his violent coughing. Without the vulgarities, Jack Johnson says, Doc, you ought to be in bed. What you doing this for, anyway? Doc simply replies, Wyatt Earp is my friend. To which Johnson says, I got lots of friends. Doc Holliday's line is so good. He says, I don't. Wouldn't you like to have a friend like that? Someone who is there when you need them, no matter what. Then you ought to be a friend like that. After all, a friend in need needs a friend indeed. Here's Pastor Tim. All right, let's keep going. You've got fallen friends that are miserable, that are in misery. But then secondly, you have faithful friends who are ministers. We're ministers. We are to minister to one another. We're to help meet the needs of them. And their need is they are bogged down and they need help up. And you can provide that for them. If you're the kind of person who's been overtaken, or you're the kind of person who has been overloaded with this burden... And you need a friend who will stick with you. Who will help you work your way through to restoration. Those friends are not a dime a dozen. Those friends are rare. But you need one. So if you're not the one who's overtaken or overloaded, know that you can become the answer to somebody else's prayer that you can be that friend who represents Jesus in their life and who helps bring them back from this terrible, terrible brink that they find themselves on. How do you do that? Our passage gives us a clue here in, uh, in both in verse number 1 and verse number 2. In the same way that these two verses, first of all, gave us a description of what it's like for the person who, who has fallen. Verses 1 and 2 also give us a picture of the person who is faithful, the friend who is faithful, who helps their friend up in those times of need. Once again, the first one is found in the very first verse. And again, that description is, 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 is once again exactly what my friend needs from me. What's the word? The word is restore, isn't it? Brethren? If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore. That's what I need. I need somebody to help me get back to the original condition for which God created me. I need that. So who's going to help me do that? He says, you who are spiritual. What does he mean by that? He's not talking about, you don't need somebody in your life who's high and mighty. That's not what he's asking. He's simply going back up to what he said in, for us, which is the previous chapter. I mean, but when Paul's writing, he's just writing. He's not writing this verse and that verse, this chapter and that chapter. He's just writing. So he's simply going back to what he said before. He's talking about people who are walking in the Spirit. Those who are positionally right before God. Those who are practically right before God. Those who are walking with the Lord. Those who are 
putting on display the fruit of the Spirit. That's the kind of friend that you need. That's the kind of friend that you're looking for. When we talk about the Bible saying that, that a righteous person chooses their friends carefully or wisely, that's the kind of person that I need. When I was in Memphis, um, I, I really, I, I mean, I knew a couple of people there already before I moved. Um, but I didn't have any real friends. And I remember sitting in Bellevue Baptist Church and, and listening to Adrian Rogers and sitting there in that crowd. Uh, that, that Midtown campus had uh, 3,000 seats in it. And, and they filled it up, you know, three or four times a day, three or four times a Sunday. And I remember sitting there and thinking, there are 3,000 other people in here. And i got to be the loneliest one out of them all, you know? When God moved me away from Bellevue and toward Broadway... I remember meeting a young couple. They were, they were just a few years younger than me, but they were, they were involved in ministry already. They were involved in that youth ministry. They were dating one another, and now today they're married. And I remember just walking up the stairs kind of behind them one day, and I said, God, I need a friend, but I need a friend like that. I need a friend like, his name is Paul. I need a friend like Paul. You know, Paul and Timothy, that, that, pretty, that ought to be a pretty good combination. But I said, God, if you can take the heart of David and the heart of Jonathan and knit them together. Well, the New Testament says that you knit people's hearts together in love. So I want to ask you to knit my heart with his heart. I needed a friend who was godly. I needed a friend who walked with the Lord. I needed a friend who would help me to be a better person, a better Christian, a better minister when it comes to that. He is what I find here in this verse. You who are spiritual, restore such a one. The word restore means to complete thoroughly. To fit something, to fix something that's broken, to repair something, to mend. In fact, it's the very same word that you find in the Gospels, there in Matthew, where the Bible says that when Jesus comes to call James and John to follow him, the Bible says that they're in the boat with their father and they are mending their nets. That's this word. I need someone who can help mend me. To help take what is broken and put it back together. It's also a medical term. It's a medical usage for broken bones. It's the word that they would use to set the bone so that it might heal. So what does a faithful friend do as a minister? Well, number one, you stitch what's broken. I don't, I don't know how long it takes to mend a net. <clears throat> I would imagine hours. I know that it takes weeks to mend a bone. I don't know how long it takes to mend a friend who's broken. 
But if it's a real friend, it doesn't matter how long it takes. You stitch what's broken, no matter how long. It's not going to be instantaneous. Them being overtaken wasn't instantaneous. Them being burdened beyond what they can bear. It's not instantaneous. And the fixing of that, so to speak, is not going to be instantaneous either. It just takes a friend who cares enough about their friend to act. That's what it takes. Paul gives us two things here. Two things in this first verse about how I'm to go about helping to mend my friend. Helping to restore them. Helping to lift them back up once they have fallen. Notice what he says. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. In a spirit of gentleness. Sometimes what that person needs is not somebody else to come along and tell them that they messed up. They already know that. But a gentle, gracious touch. That's what you'd want, isn't it? Our natural inclination is not to do that, is it? Our natural inclination is to be harsh. Our natural inclination is to say, hey, you messed up and I know how it messed up and this is, this is what you need to do differently. I mean... We, we tend to live out that last verse of chapter 5. We tend to deal with one another with conceit, with provoking, with envying. Let me take a step further. We're living out verse 15 of that fifth chapter by biting one another, by devouring one another, by consuming one another. Maybe we feel like somewhere along the way, if I can step on somebody, at least it makes me look a little taller. It's not the way a friend looks at it, does he? A friend wants to help them up, no matter what. H.A. Ironside, I hope you know that name. H.A. Ironside said, A hard, critical spirit will drive the failing one deeper into sin And make it more difficult to recover him at last. But a loving, tender word, accompanied by gracious effort to recover, will often result in saving him from further declension. Remember saying that chapter 5 and chapter 6, the chapter breaks aren't there? Paul's just just dealing in a practical sense out of what he said in chapter 5. What is gentleness? Gentleness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. The person who is walking in the Spirit, the one that Paul says, you who are spiritual, they already have a spirit of gentleness. They just have to use that in the power of the Spirit of God. All right, there's a second quality. The second quality comes more as a caution Because he's talking about the person who is spiritual, the person who is walking with the Lord, right? The person who who can mend, who can help restore their friend. Notice the caution at the end of verse number 1. Considering yourself, lest you also 
Be tempted. In other words, have some humility. That's the second ingredient. It's humility. Considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Taking that deep inward look at ourselves. I mean, after all, my friend... You know, my friend whom I love and whom I, I, I believe in, I really don't like that phrase, but you know, somebody that I believe in should, should live out the Christian life and have been a good example of that. This sin overtook them. This sin is faster than they are. This sin is stronger than they are. And they have been overtaken unexpectedly. If it could happen to them, it can happen to me. You know, doctors take precaution that while they're helping somebody else, that they don't themselves come down with the very same disease. You do have to consider yourself. Let me tell you this thing that happened. One summer, this is before we had children, Dean and I went to Gulf Shores for the week. And the the water was, I mean, it was pretty violent that day, but, you know, you're still going to get in, right? <laughs> so, so we get in the water, we're playing around the ocean, whatever it is. Finally, this wave comes and just knocks Dina kaput, right? So me, you know, being the hero, comes splashing over and watch, I'm going to help her up. When the next wave comes, now guess who's down? Down goes Frazier, too. <laughs> Looks like, like two whales fighting over the last plankton. You know, I mean, we're just out there in the, in the water and every wave seems to keep us down as it continues to pound and to pound and to pound and it's so hard to get up. If water waves can do that, don't you know that, that sin's waves, temptation's waves can do that as well? You know what I find intriguing about this last part of verse number one? The two things that Paul says, these are, the, these are the tools that you need if you're spiritual and you want to restore or help mend your friend. You need the spirit of gentleness and you need humility. You know why that's intriguing to me? Because the only time that Jesus ever described himself, he said that he was gentle and that he was humble. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. You want to stitch what's broken? Then be like Jesus. All right, there's a second description because there's a second verse. We have those that are underneath these burdens. So yes, I'm to stitch what's broken, but secondly, I'm to shoulder what is backbreaking. This this oppressive, heavy weight that is keeping my friend down. I need to help bear that burden, is what Paul says. I need to carry it, to take it up, to, to support it. In other words, come alongside of my friend and dip down in there and get my shoulder under there and help shoulder the burden, shoulder the weight. If we don't, our friends are going to be spiritually crushed while we stand by and watch. I remember that I'm supposed to act like Jesus, right? I'm supposed to represent Him. 
and helping to mend those nets. In this case, I mean, Paul just spells it out. He didn't, just, he didn't really say, you know, be a good representative of Jesus. He just says that when you do that, you fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what is that? What's the law of Christ? I thought he'd come to deliver us from the law. Well, again, go back up into chapter 5. This time, stop in verse number 14. He says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It is the law of Christ, the love of Christ, that compels me to go and help my friend. By the way, in these passages, verse number 1 and verse number 2, both words for restore and bear, both of those words are, you know, you're probably going to get bogged down in this, but here it goes anyway, are present active imperatives. Imperative simply means it's a command. It's not a choice. God tells me this is what I'm supposed to do. Active means it's something that I myself have to do, right? I have to be the one to act. But the present part means that I am doing it continually, constantly. The hallmark of the Christian who walks with the Lord is to help others up and along the way. This is, this is not how the Christian life is not like some kind of race where I'm trying to outdistance everybody else. I'm trying to bring them along with me. And that's what he's trying to do. Being like Jesus, right? All right. Before we go, let me tackle one more issue that's here. I know I stopped at verse number two, but some of you are going to keep on reading, and you're going to get to verse number five, and you're going to say, huh, well, that's a contradiction. You know, what, what am I supposed to do? One verse says that we are to bear one another's burden. And now I get to verse number 5, and it tells me I'm supposed to bear my own burden. Well, who's supposed to do what? Well, let me say two things about that. Number one, it's not a contradiction. It never is. Number two, both of those things are right. Yes, you're to bear one another's burdens. Yes, you're to bear your own burden. The words are a little bit different. Now, the word for bear in verse number 2 is the same word that you find in verse number 5 for the word bear. It, it, you know, it, it, means to, it means to take that oppressive heavy weight and lift it. Okay? We talked about that already. But the word for burden in verse number 2, that oppressive heavy weight, is one word. But the word for, if you're reading from King James, it says burden in there. If you read, I read from New King James, it changes the word to load. I think it changes that because those are two different words. This word in verse number 5 is in reference to a soldier's backpack. A backpack that is filled with utilitarian items that every person needs. And so what he says is this, you need to bear your own load. You need to carry your own backpack. You have to learn how to walk in the Spirit. You have to bear the fruit of the Spirit. You need to be one who restores and who mends. 
You have to go to church. You have to give. You have to, uh, you have to share your faith with somebody else. You need to pray. You need to sing songs. There are some things that you have to do, and nobody can do those things for you. That's what verse number 5 is about. Verse number 2 is about temptation that comes that just takes it all, takes all I've got and more. Just reminding us that we don't have to do that by ourselves. You say, well, yeah, but that, that backpack thing, I mean, that's heavy enough. That's too heavy for me. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy and my burden, same word, is light. It's light. Let me ask you this. Do you know anybody who's struggling? Somebody who just cannot seem to get a hold of that temptation because the temptation has too great a hold on them. Would you be a faithful friend? Would you begin even tonight by praying for that friend and then asking God to give you opportunity? Maybe to stitch what's broken. Maybe to shoulder what is backbreaking for them. Would you ask God to use you? Let's go to the Lord. Father, we do ask your blessing. We thank you for this season of life that so many of us find ourselves in where we're walking with you and life is so good and you are so good to us. And yet we recognize that that's not the case for everybody. And I know that lifting another person up and helping them can be difficult and time-consuming, more than we really want to have to do. But we also know that we'd want somebody to do that for us. And we know that you did that for us. And we are your representatives, your ambassadors right here, walking with you. Bear your fruit in our life and help it to be seen in the practical every day that we live. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with me where you are. If you need to come, I'll help you and pray with you if I can. If you need to come to the altar, come on. Come This year at Brit David, we would like to challenge you in joining us in reading through the Bible in a year. This is a great and rewarding way to start your day. If you would like a copy of the reading plan, you can request a copy at church office at BritDavid.org. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcasts.